Buckle up and start your engines. This is You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl. With 30-plus years of automotive experience, Dave is here to educate you on everything from repairing your vehicle to the latest industry news and trends. If it's automotive, Dave covers it. It's time for You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to You Ought to Know, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by Hot Rods and Custom Stuff, located in Escondido, 2324 Auto Parkway. They build, they service, they sell. Uh, looking for parts and pieces for the man cave or the she shed. They've got those two. Uh, the folks up there, they Randy, he's been doing this since the 60s. And it is a beautiful facility. You need to check it out. Get, they just built a brand new paint department for those quality paint jobs that they do. And nobody does them better. So Hot Rods, CustomStuff.com, 760-745-1170. Hey, I just came back from New York a couple of weeks ago, went to the Monticello Motorsport Club and got an opportunity to take it uh, the 2022 Toyota GR86 on the track. So I grabbed Timothy Ennick. He's the marketing planner for uh, Toyota, and we chatted. Take a listen. All right. Hey, folks, guess what? I am in New York at Monticello uh, Motorsport Park with uh, Toyota and the 86. I've got a couple of GR86, I might add. I got a couple of very important people that were uh, instrumental in putting this car on the road. And when you get behind the wheel, you're going to see exactly why we are so excited about it. I guess the first guy we'll talk to is Timothy Anik. Hello. What's your title? Yeah, so I, I'm basically the marketing planner for GR86. Okay, so you planned it, and you are John Stanley. And what did you do on this? Uh, product planning. So we did the development of the product and getting it in terms of its grade and its content for the customers so you basically you didn't really make a lot of changes from the last generation i mean some power some uh, length and lowered a little bit but what was the main goal for this particular model uh the main goal was to keep it um to keep and preserve the kind of spirit of the car give it a little bit more horsepower and make it even more fun to drive and just make it a better driver's car and then also keep it at a very good price and keep it reasonable and just kind of, you know, update the technology inside the car and give it a refresh because it hadn't had a refresh in many, many years. So kind of a overall uh, full model change, but, uh, you know, heavy emphasis on the refresh and making the interior look a little bit better, make the exterior look a little better, and then just keep the whole spirit of the car and give it a little bit more horsepower and a little bit more handling. And that's kind of the problem in the auto industry when you guys do a refresh or remodel. You change the vehicle. And then the people that love the very first gen are bummed because you didn't stay close to it. I think you guys really, the changes, you'd have to be a really an aficionado on 86 to really see those subtle changes. Don't you agree? Well, I would say, I mean, visually the car looks pretty different. So I would say you can see that there has been a change. But when you get behind the wheel, you basically see that we listen to the customers and gave them more of what they wanted and took away the stuff that wasn't successful in the prior gen. Yeah, and, and I think that's the success of this car is the fact that you did listen to the enthusiasts because I'm telling you, the 86 Club is massive. I mean, and there's a lot of people you talk to. Yeah, quite a few, actually, and what, along with them. And we also had one really big fan that kept us on the rails and on thing, and that would be Akio Toyota. <laughs> He's a huge fan of this car, and he had a lot of input into this car to make sure it kept the spirit. And also, when we're doing the new GR brand, 
that you know we could launch something that would have the GR label, and so that was super important to him. And keeping the customers happy and keeping the whole again the whole spirit, the feeling of the car intact, and making it just that much better. Well, and I have to tell you, you know, the spirit is definitely there. We were out here on Monticello Park. We got to go out and drive the car at speed. And the control you, I mean, whether you're a professional driver or not a professional driver, the control you feel by driving this car, it's not skitsy, it's not something that you can't handle. I mean, it really gives you, I guess, that driving experience that you want. Definitely the driving experience I want, yeah. You're just all bummed because you don't get to go out there and drive. You have to sit here and talk to us journalists. For now, when you guys leave, we're going to be out there on the track. Don't worry. Oh, so we're closing down at what, 2 o'clock in the afternoon? 3. Yeah, 3. <laughs> so is, so I, I know you can't talk future product, and I never would do that, but I, it looks to me like this GR platform has got a, just a lot of growth in front of it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, the, it's going to become the premier sports car line for Toyota globally. Um, and so now we're just launching it in America with the, the, the two products that we have now, the GR Supra and the GR uh, 86 now. And so, again, and this has got the backing of the CEO. And so it's got to, you know, perform. And it's, you know, there are high expectations for it. And there's a really high bar for it. So you got to make sure that everybody's happy and all the ducks are in a row and things are going the right way. Well, I was really, really glad to see the accessory, accessories that you could put on this GR86, and I'm sure they're going to come through the parts department of the Toyota dealer. So if you have the dealer install those components, that's going to be covered under the warranty. So yep. you don't have to fool around with an aftermarket chasing those guys down, and what kind of guarantee can I get? Yeah, the, against, again, they're OEM products. They've got the OEM warranty. They're genuine Toyota parts. So, yeah, absolutely. That's the big thing about this that, you know, and developing, you know, that business too, uh, looking for markets to excel in. And that's one of, you know, accessories is one of the big markets that we can do and make some money on. And so that's one of the things. And having, yeah, takes having an OEM part or a genuine Toyota part takes all the guesswork out of the customers. And so it's like, and they're, we can all warranty them. So they're made at the same Toyota standards as the rest of the car. You know, that's what our accessories people do, and they conform. So they're good stuff. Well, and the components that you put on these cars are designed. They, they follow all the criteria of what you're looking for for a component to go on a car that you guys build so that you can comfortably stand behind it, where with an aftermarket you have absolutely no control of their quality. Not saying that they're bad, not saying that they don't do a good sure. job, but you can't control it. Yeah, if you blow the engine with an aftermarket supercharger, you can't come to the dealer and ask what went wrong. Yeah. You know what went wrong. Okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room because I deal with a lot of the 86 guys in, and girls in San Diego. They have a big, big representation, and they keep asking me, why not a tur turbo or why not a supercharger? And I guess the answer would be, and I'll answer mine, and then you can answer as well, is go drive the car. How, I mean, do you really need a turbo? Do you really need a supercharger? No, not in this particular car, not this case. And we, like I said, uh, and you can certainly add those things, but, you know, it's a, you know, there's a little bit of uh, business in there and dynamics and everything and what would make sense with the car and, you know, regulations and those type of things because it costs a bunch of money to recertify a motor and those things, especially if you put a turbo on them or superchargers or anything else like that. So there's a whole process. So in order to keep, you know, the cost down for the customer, 
that's one of the things that we're doing. And again, the spirit of the car. Naturally aspirated cars are much easier to drive. They're they're very linear and they're throttle, easy to modulate. Something to have a good time with and fun all the time, but also be reasonable that you could use as a daily driver and on the street and very streetable. So, and then also you don't have the warranty problems and those things in terms of supercharged motors or turbo. You know, you get all to all the things that you have to do in terms of durability. So, you know, this car was you know entry level, simple, keep it you know keep it simple, uh, straightforward, fun to drive. And just make it so it's a lot easier and possible. Keep the weight down, everything, and keep the cost down. And so it's a very good entry point, and also a good, very good platform now to even do those modified, to do those modifications in the future for the aftermarket. It's a wonderful platform to do that for. And then you turn around and surprise everybody and make a trunk space big enough to put four mounted race tires and wheels, so that if you go to, let's say, a NASA event, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal group of folks out there. And, and you can go out there, unload your tires, mount them on with a floor jack, boom, you go out, you race, and you win, right? That's exactly right. And I would also say, back to the, the comment about why no turbo, um, if you look at our lineup, we actually do have a turbo four-cylinder Supra. And so the idea is that that four-cylinder Supra kind of hopefully would meet that demand. Well, and there you go. So if you do, if you just have to have a turbo, which you know as well as I do, the people that have turbo cars after six months of ownership and you ask them how you like the performance of that turbo – they kind of give you that deer in a headlight look and say, oh, yeah. A, a buddy of mine told me that he had to have a, a car with a paddle shifter. I go, you really need to have a paddle shifter? Oh, yeah, I just got to have a paddle shifter. And six months into it, I asked him. I said, so how, how's that paddle shifter? Have you got it down to a science? And he goes, oh, shoot, because I haven't shifted that thing with a paddle. Because the customers want one thing and do another. Absolutely. And so, like I said, it's just like at the end of the day, the car's got to be drivable and livable on the street more than it is on the track. When you get to the track, you have a lot of fun. Switch some tires out on it, switch some brakes out on it, and you can have a great time. And that's the whole point. Well, you're at, go ahead. I was just going to say, the other thing is, is we've seen, you know, about 80 to 90% of our customers for 86 or current Gen 86, but future GR86 um, are using this car every day. So. And, and that's actually, you'll see that reflected probably down the line in our manual transmission take rate, which we, you know, we always hope is going to be much higher than it is. Ideally, drive a six shift, but most of our consumers end up buying automatics for that reason. All right, folks, welcome back to the You Ought to Know Show, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by Express Auto Service, 7633 Oklahoma Boulevard. They'll work on everything in your garage. And they do it with the expertise you would expect from a repair shop. Go to expressautoservicelamesa.com. Talk to Dave and Connie and thank them for supporting this show. Christian Barclay on the line and she's driving a moving van or darn close to it. <laughs> right? Right? You know, the good news is that the, uh, that the Ford Expedition, while it might be able to move you, um, at least it doesn't drive or handle like a moving van, thank goodness, you know. It's got a little more style as well. So Yeah. Which, um, which model did you get? You know, I had the, uh, I had the limited uh, Texas edition. And, you know, I don't get these, like, editions that just kind of have a badge. Because there's say, not a whole lot. You have your own edition? I know your state is massive, but you have your own edition? You know, a lot of manufacturers do that these days. They notice that if they, they stick a Lone Star badge on it or Texas edition or yeah. whatever, people eat that up. 
at first I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, you feel special. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't really get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they don't, you don't see a Louisiana edition. Well, I mean, duh, it's Louisiana. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm uh, kidding. All hate goes to 1-800-Kristen, uh, 1-800-Kristen, all hate. Please don't dox me. Yeah. No, I won't do that. But, you know, it, you're, it's funny you say that, and, and I don't know, because, you know, Ford used to do California special. Uh, you know, every once in a while, somebody just picks a state and kind of makes it uh, a special. But now you had the V6, right, in that motor? Yeah, so it's. Three five liter turbocharged V six, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. you don't even miss the V eight. I have to say, much as I hate to say it, but you don't miss that V eight. You know, and with fuel mileage too, because you actually get decent mileage in that, if I remember correct. Well, you know what surprised me because you know you think about like a Tahoe, and a Tahoe to me is a little bit smaller than Expedition, although mm-hmm. yes. the newer models they they bumped them up, right? Right. Um, and I I know previously with my Tahoe, like I was getting 17 on a good day. And that was like 17 no matter where I was driving. Um, and this, it's it's rated at 19 combined, 17 city, 22 highway. I think we got around 20. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't think it was bad. i tell you one thing that, that really threw me, though. Um, I had just come out of the Bronco when I got in the Expedition. Mm-hmm. And the Bronco feels very modern, very um rugged very neat just almost different compared to what you're used to in some of the other ford products right and then i get in this and i've got an eight inch touchscreen compared to the bronco that has an, and you know off the top of my head i don't know what the size was but it had to be at least a 12 or a 14. yeah i know it was bigger right and so with the size of the expedition you get in and you got this tiny little eight inch touchscreen and you're like you feel like you've dialed back to the 90s or something. It was just, it was weird. And and Mullen goes, you're kind of obsessed with it. Because every time we got in, I was like, why is it so small? Yeah. But how long's it been, how long's it been since they've refreshed the expedition? I don't want to put you on the spot, but it seems to me like it's been a while. I think 2018, I think, could be 2017. I think it's been a couple years. Brian probably knows because Brian, you know, Brian seems to be a a fat guy. Um, Yeah, you know, so it might it you know and and you can only just give them the benefit of the doubt they might be you know when the new refresh expedition comes back if it comes back which i have a feeling it will because i know they're good sellers it it, i'm just wondering if it'll be at a point within the change that they'll actually you know do something like put a bigger screen in it maybe a couple of there's not a whole lot missing out of that vehicle except that you're right the screen's a little small I mean, that's kind of the only thing that bothered me. Yeah, um, yeah. I think because the screen is small and because Ford tends to use kind of more hard plastics in their interior, mm-hmm. um, I think that made it feel dated compared to the competition. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I I, like, I just got out of one myself, and I kind of – and I was surprised with the – and I'm not a screen guy. I don't really care necessarily. Uh, but I was – I went, really? I think it's only – Eight inches. I, well, was, for, I was surprised. Yeah, and for for us, it comes down to you know because this has the three sixty degree camera, which is great. But oh yeah. For us, especially when I'm in a vehicle that size, it comes down to the navigating of the driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So I I want as much screen space as I can get, just so I can make sure I'm seeing all the corners. I mean, you know, I think so. It's got the front parking sensors. It's got the rain sensing windshield wipers. It's got the power folding mirrors. And I love that they're using the Bang & Olufsen audio system. I think it's much better 
audio system than what they've used previously. You know, it's 12 speakers. It's it's fantastic. So I think, like, it's got all these things, but then you look at the tiny little screen, and it, it stands out. Does that make sense? Because it has so many other things. I, I, I think it's that one thing that you kind of um, – but yeah, they definitely, I hope they'll refresh it. They definitely should keep it because there's not a lot of competition for that size on the market. When, you, no. when you're when you looking at a, a three-row SUV that's capable of seating eight, and mine had the bench seat in the second row, ah. um, plenty of cargo space. They don't compromise on legroom, and you know that's always a big kicker for us is like if you're going to add the third row, I want the third row to be usable for adults as well. Right. Because if you have young kids like my nieces, mm. they really need to be in the second row. It's just so much easier than putting them all the way in the third row and trying to get back there and get them you know, locked in their car seats every time. Oh, yeah. Um, it tows up to 9,300 pounds, which is great. It's plenty of ground clearance, if I can actually talk. Um, you know, and, and, and the only real competition is like the Tahoe, the Suburban, or the Yukon and the Yukon XL. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it's definitely great. It just I just think that there's some minor changes, especially considering that Tahoe and Suburban and the Yukon, and, and et cetera, just went through kind of a major refresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel a lot more modern inside. I think that's the only thing that I'm like, if – but – then I started thinking about, so, you know, if you went Ford product, Ford product. So if you like came from an expedition, because, you know, there's a lot of people who have an expedition. They're going to go in, they're going to sell or trade, and they're going to buy a newer model, right? For them, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this thing's fantastic. It's got everything I need. Right. They're not going to look at it the way you and I will, having come from, you know, the competitors and recent refreshes. Mm-hmm. So there's that, you know? No, I, uh, I, I, my, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, but, you know, like you said, it's – the only thing you can hope for is it'll do a refresh because it's got a it's got a great customer base. It's got a great following. Uh, you know that vehicle that that vehicle definitely has a job to do. Yeah, and it, again, it handles well. It's got so much cargo room. It's perfect for whether you're taking the kids to soccer or whether you know you get the adults. I mean, more and more people you know these days are are getting a nanny for their kids or whatever and just going away for the weekend with, you know, all of their friends, right. you know, so it's just an adult trip and you really need the room when you're looking at adults, leg rooms, suitcases, um, you know, things like that. This is perfect. Mine was priced at 71515 which, you know, I think is fair enough, especially for a vehicle that t- typically when you buy one of these, you're going to own it seven to 10 years. Um, so, you know, I, again, just a refresh to me, but like I said, a lot of people coming from Ford, I don't think they'll, They'll notice it. You know, you and I were recently both in the Bronco as well. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, because I'm in a Ranger now this week. Did you notice that the the Bronco seems to have a newer type steering wheel compared to mm-hmm. what's in the Expedition, what's in the... There's a lot. I, there's I liked a, it. There's a lot of new things in the Bronco. The only thing I haven't done yet, and I need to do it, is I still haven't found out what those squ- uh, square bars one in front of the wheel and one behind the front wheels. I mean, it's almost like as if you wanted to slide a step in so you could get up on it. I, you probably didn't even notice it, but I've had a couple. I points. didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, it's right. And like if you look in the in the fender well, right in front of the wheel, right level with the bumper, there's a square like a tube that's welded there, and there's one in the back. And it was like as if you were to you could slide something in there to stand up on it. Yeah, and I, I just need to contact. Yeah, I need to contact Ford and find out. It, it wasn't curious. like a type of peg, was it? Where you could like like a peg, like to no, it was if you were attaching something. No, well, you could, I would assume, but it, it was behind. It was behind the fender, almost 
it start it started right about the middle of the tire and then went inward. And it was probably eight to twelve inches long. Brian says that's for when you take off the fenders. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah, well, see, I looked Brian at that. Brian is a wealth of information. Brian should be I, like, we I should do a segment that. called, like, Ask, Ask Brian. I know. And he, let people try and stump him. Yeah, there you go. And then if they stump him, he has to take him to Hawaii. <laughs> or he can send them, you know, a, a, a T-shirt, a piece of swag or something, yeah, you know? and he's got, uh-huh. he's got lots of swag, too. That guy, he does. See, even my dog agreed. He I know. Swagger, Dave. I don't know if he has swag. He has swagger. Now, how was your dog getting um, in and out of the ex- expedition? You know, I didn't let her. I didn't let no. her in and out. But, uh, gosh, she would have loved to have ridden in the back of that thing, I'm sure. And, heck, I've got three dogs. I could have put all three large kennels back there. I think it still had some room. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it, it's, I think, uh, like I said, uh, all right, he's yelling at me. He says, yes, we're taking off. He did, because he told us that last week, too, believe it or not. Yeah, we just don't have a good, um, good memory. Do, do you know what I learned for the first time in my life? And I don't, you've probably noticed this a lot long ago, but, you know, people always say, don't get black leather in Texas. Don't get black leather interior. Well, I'll tell you what. We walked out the front door one day, had the car parked right in front, uh-huh. and I got in. I was wearing jeans. It wasn't like I was wearing, like, shorts or anything. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm screaming, ouch, 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 ouch. I'm like, turn on the ventilated seats. So where's the ventilated seat button, you know? And, and Mullen's laughing at me because he's like, you hate the ventilated seats. And I'm like, no, no. I'm frying. My legs are frying. <laughs> I know. Crazy. Well, it's, it's so hot back in your neck of the woods, I'm telling you. I yeah, and I had a dark color. I don't remember the exact name of the color I had, but I had a dark color vehicle as well, and so that does not help. It does so, not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, always good chatting with you. How do people follow you around? Uh, Zany Mom NTX on Twitter, Facebook.com backslash YAK Radio, or FocusDailyNews.com, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you about the Ranger next week. All right. Subscribe to that ma- that newspaper, folks. It's great, great reading. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brian Armstead is on the line we're going to talk about the 2022 subaru brz which uh is quite the little car right here on fm 96 1 am 1170 the answer all right folks welcome to the you ought to know show fm 96 1 am 1170 the answer the segment brought to you by weather machine family owned and operated ac and heat company they were in last week and just did a blast. We just had a blast. Go to weathermachines with an S.net. Learn everything you want to know about a family owned and operated uh, business. With a, been doing it for three generations. They're A plus rated in the Better Business Bureau. They got their own sheet metal shop, so they don't have to sub anything out and they put customer service first. So check these guys out. That's Weather Machines, air conditioning and heating. At weather machines with an S dot net. All right, we've got uh, Brian Armstead on the line. How you doing, bud? Hey, it's like you forgot my name for a second. You're like Brian, uh, what's that guy's last yeah. name? Yeah, Brian. No, Brian, stump, stump, I, I would never, that. I would never say that. But no, you know what? I do. I corrected myself. I do realize. Remember that you did tell me that's what those bars were for in the front and the yeah, rear wheels. Bronco, on yeah, that Bronco's for real, man. It's I like, know. You, know, you don't want to. You don't want to be clashing, uh, banging up your fenders if you're on a, if you're doing rock boulder climbing. You no, know, you surely don't. Off. <laughs> so you're anyway, in the you, you're in the BRZ, and yeah. did you take it on a track or did you drive it street? Well, I I, I 
did a little bit of both. Uh, as you know, and as listeners know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, yeah. I am a very, very tall human being, six foot nine. Yeah. And the, uh, the Subaru is a smaller sports car. So I was able to take it on the autocross circuit, which did not require a helmet, and on the street, of course. Mm -hmm. But with the helmet on, I couldn't sit up straight, and uh, my head was contacting the roof, and that's not a good equation. If you roll the car for some reason and you've got your head contacting the roof. Uh, But I will say this. How'd you fit? You had a chance to drive. Behind the the wheel, fine. You know, it, it actually wasn't bad. Uh, I would not encourage anybody over six five to buy the car because right. you know, I mean, I was literally quarter inch between me and the roof, you know, with mm-hmm. the headliner. Mm-hmm. One of the good things about this new car, we'll touch more on this. It's got a double bubble roof line, so if if you if you know racing, you know what that double uh, bubble is for. So you can put a helmet on, and uh, you know, sit up straight if you're a tall guy. But no, if you're over six five, yeah. if you're over two hundred fifty pounds, just just go on to something else, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I was fine. However, on the passenger side, not good. Not good. I mean, it's got a knee airbag. It's got all, you know, the glove box and all this stuff. So on the road, Gary Witzenberg, um, uh, toy president Gary Witzenberg, and I drove together. He was kind enough to let me drive most of the time mm-hmm. because he really, uh, because I just couldn't fit over there. And he, you know, he's a former, <laughs> he's a current race car driver. So. He just spent his time out on the track just showing everybody up, and he was whizzing around the track like he was Mario Andretti. It was just real impressive to see. And that's the essence of the BRZ, Dave, and the Toyota 86, which is a corporate, not a corporate cousin, but they're they're, they're related. They're They're related. You know, uh, uh, Toyota did some development on uh, on the car. Subaru had its input, and Toyota has the 86, which used to be the Scion FRS. Now it's the Toyota 86. And, uh, Super's had this uh, BRZ out for 10 years now, 2012. Can you believe it? The first BRZ in 2012. Hard, hard to believe. Hard to believe. And, man, it is one heck of, first of all, it's one heck of a good-looking automobile. I mean, Dave, this thing looks like a smaller version and a cleaner version of the uh, 350Z that uh, Nissan, I used to, you know, they're about to phase out in favor of the Proto-Z. Mm-hmm. But it's got deeply sculpted rear uh, fenders and, and up front, you've got, uh, you know, a big wide grill below the traditional six-star uh, Subaru logo. Uh, has wide fender uh, openings on each side on the front fenders, and those are actually functional. And they, they add, wheel, uh, add air to the, uh, to the wheel well to cool the brakes. Mm-hmm. And then behind those wheels are, ex- are uh, sculpt, uh, I'm sorry, vents to actually exhaust the air so you've got floor front fenders uh and it's really cool deeply sculpted uh door sill uh wide um arches on the front and rear so absolutely stunning automobile looks great inside too you know one of my biggest uh, complaints about subarus of days gone by is that the interiors were just very basic and plasticky they've upped their interior game exponentially across all of their models, and you know, no longer do you get into a um, uh, a Subaru and you're free to light a, a cigarette or a cigar. Not that you should be smoking when you drive, but if you drop an ash, the whole car will go up in flames because it's just plastic. I mean, everything is well built now, and the interiors are up to par with the mechanical uh, aspects of the car and the safety aspects of the car. 
Now, we typically talk about European cars when we talk about safety days. Subaru models almost across the board consistently get five-star ratings from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, uh, and that is more important than a uh, high rating from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration for one very important reason. Insurance Institute for Highway Safety does offset frontal crashes. What does that mean, folks? It means if you're on a two-lane road and you cross the center line or if somebody crosses the center line into your lane, you're not going to hit square head-on like you do in a government crash test where you see them crashing square head-on into a a flat barrier. You're going to have an offset crash where the left front of your car has an impact with the left front of the car that crossed the line or if you crossed the line. There are two left front impacts. That's called an offset frontal. If we were in England, it would be two right fender impacts because they drive on the wrong side of the road over there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, these cars, these Subarus have always excelled in these um, offset frontals. They always get top safety pick ratings, which is the highest rating you can get from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. So, so congrats to Subaru for building terrifically safe automobiles. Now, Dave, uh, back to the BRZ, which is also, I'm sure, going to do, do well in their uh, uh, testing. I like the boxer engines that Subaru puts in a car. Well, what is a boxer engine? It's a, an engine that lies flat. So the pistons, instead of going up and down in a traditional inline six or on an angle in a V engine car, like V6, V8, V12, uh, the pistons lie flat and they're horizontally opposed. So they go in and out. And the way it looks is it almost looks like a boxer throwing a punch in, left punch, right punch, left punch, right punch. That's where the uh, boxer engine, uh, the the name boxer came from. And Porsche actually has boxer engines. Uh, they've had them for years in the uh, 911. The original Volkswagen Beetles had flat uh, boxer engines and Subarus had them. So they're the only Japanese ma- manufacturer that offers a, uh, a boxer engine. What is the advantage over the two things, Dave? It sits really, because it's flat, it sits very low in the chassis. And for a sports car, it's critical because you do not want a high center of gravity if you're carving up a canyon road or you're autocrossing or you're actually on a track racing. You want everything to be as low as possible to keep that car from having any kind of roll indication when you're going hard through a turn. So by having that engine set low, and it actually sits just below the top of the front tire, so it's really low in the chassis. You get phenomenal, uh, a phenomenally low center of gravity with this car. And the base uh, uh, weight of the car is 2,815 pounds. So, I mean, just imagine that, Dave. It's got a 2.4-liter engine that outputs, uh, lost my place here, I believe it's 228 horsepower, 184 pound-feet of torque. Double overhead camshafts, it sounds great. Boxer engines make kind of a pop, 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 pop sound. And a lot of people enhance it with larger exhaust. And it really sounds very wicked when you hear a WRX or STI, mm-hmm. uh, which is Subaru Technica International. It's their, it's their AMG, for lack of a better word, uh, for Subaru. So you hear these things coming, like, okay, that really sounds good. And you get that sound uh, in the... Uh, BRZ, and they actually have an electronically enhanced system that pumps additional engine sound into the uh, cabin because this 
you know, basically, if you're not getting on it, it's a very quiet automobile. This is a very uh, drivable automobile on a day-to-day basis. Uh, 42,144 have been sold since the launch, Dave, and uh, they've got one heck of a a really cool automobile on their hands. Another nice thing is you can get a six-speed manual on this car, which is so rare these days. I mean, if you want the ultimate anti-death device, buy a car with a manual transmission, and it will just sit there. You can leave you can leave it unlocked. You can leave the keys in ignition, and nobody will steal the thing because nobody knows how to drive a uh, <laughs> a manual transmission these days. I also meant to uh, tell you that when we were talking about safety, Dave, Subaru has a camera system in the upper part of their of uh, the uh, windshield called EyeSight, and with this new um, BRZ, it's a wider field of view, so it can it can do everything from keep you in your lane to identify road signs. I mean, eyesight to uh, to tell the distance between you and the car in front of it. It's a very sophisticated system, and uh, they should be applauded again for their uh, their technology and their safety. Now, a couple of things that are really really cool about the uh, about the BRZ, and as soon as I can find my place, I'll talk about those. Let's see here. I've lost my place again. Here we go. Um, the, uh, let's see. Okay. So it has a Starlink eight inch multimedia system. The telematic screen is the same size as the one that Kristen was talking about in the, uh, in the Ford expedition. So you can imagine a car this small that has a screen, the size of a big truck. That expedition. expedition. Yeah. And it really kind of brings home the point that she thinks it's too small and I think it's too small, but of course, Apple CarPlay, Android auto, you get Bluetooth hands-free, uh, uh, connectivity rear vision camera comes through which is cool because uh, you know it's got a you know small rear window vision is good but it's always nice to have a camera and of course uh, Subaru uh, has Sirius XM under the hood they've got a really cool strut bar it's a v-shaped strut bar but again that helps to enhance the handling of the vehicle because it ties those two strut towers together mm-hmm. and the front does have McPherson strut uh, McPherson front strut front suspension which is really cool. It also has a Torsen limited slip dip, uh, differential, a double wishbone rear, electric power assist steering. So you no longer have a pump, which is parasitic, uh, that has to be driven by a belt to power the steering system. It's electric power steering. You know, um, and I'm going to get off track here for just a second, but Mercedes, their new S-Class doesn't have any belts at all on the six-cylinder model because it's just everything's electric on the car. Right. So that's a, that's a story for another week. Uh, on the track, Dave, on the autocross, this thing is big fun. Mm-hmm. You set it in track mode. You get in front of you, instead of having a, a round uh, speedometer and tachometer, you get a linear tachometer because you don't really worry about how fast you're going on, a, on an autocross mm-hmm. or a racetrack. Mm-hmm. You want to worry about where the engine speed is. Right. So you get a linear gauge when you're in track mode. It disconnects. You can either fully disconnect or partially disconnect the electronic stability control. This is a car that drifters will just love. absolutely love because, you know, with the uh, with the rear wheel drive and the mm-hmm. power to weight ratio of the BRZ, you can hang the tail out there and just have a blast on the track. Yeah. I watch my my colleagues do that. You know, it's a little bit. I'm not that advanced where I can hang the tail and, mm-hmm. and correct it. Uh, and, you know, I've done it before, but it was only by accident. Uh, I'm just not, you know, I'm just not as skilled as some of these other guys are. So it's fun 
to see somebody really take advantage of all sure. that the BRZ has to offer. You can go to Subaru.com. You want to slight, uh, you want to have uh, backslash and then type 2022-BRZ because if you go to the consumer website right now, only thing they're showing is the 2020 BRZ. They didn't have a model for 2021. Right. We can go to Subaru uh, and reserve your BRZ. Pricing starts at 27995 two trim levels. It's a really fine automobile, Dave. And, uh, yeah. you know, Subaru keeps kicking it, man. They're, they're doing some really good things. They sure are. All right, buddy, how do people follow you around? At Road Gear Sun on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, as Kristen always says, at the You Ought to Know page on Facebook. So I'll back next week with some more goodies, Dave. Look forward to it. Take care, buddy. We're going to take Thank a quick you. break. When we come back, I've got a great interview with Cadillac talking about their uh, their Lamaze package right here on FM 961 AM 1170 The Answer Alright folks welcome back to You Ought to Know FM 961 AM 1170 The Answer is brought to you by Convoy Auto Service right out there on Convoy Street go to ConvoyAutoRepair.com Napa Auto Care ASC Certified AAA and then Bumper Doc Kearney Mesa scratches dings and dents Right in the same complex, if you have to get a car ready for lease return or maybe you got dinged or you want to get uh, some, uh, you know, scratches taken care of uh, or anything, or get your headlights cleaned up, Bumper Doc, Kearney Mesa. Go to KearneyMasonBumperDoc.com. All right. Well, I tell you, this lady's got the best job in the world. Laura Clauser. She is a GM uh, sports car racing manager. And I chatted with her about Cadillac's Lamar. Uh, entry in 2023. Take a listen. All right, folks. Have I got a phenomenal interview for you? You know, Cadillac's in racing. Oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> you don't watch enough TV, let me tell you. Well, Cadillac is in major development with the all new LMDH, which they'll be racing in the uh, the WeatherTech Sports Car Series with one of the icons, uh, Mr. Uh, Chip Ganassi. But before we go there, let's talk to Laura Clauser, she's GM Sports Car Racing Program Manager. Hey, Laura, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Well, first off, congratulations on how well Cadillac has been doing in the uh, in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championships. Uh, and along with a, you know anything that you guys kind of put your toes in, you seem to come out extremely well. And 2023 has really got to be exciting for you. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, we've been building up to this for a while now, and when we launched the DPI VR that runs in the IMSA WeatherTech uh, Championship right now in 2017, we had our sights set on being at the best and the biggest endurance races in the world, and thankfully we were there in the United States with the IMSA series, you know, being the Rolex 24 or Sebring 12-hour, but really where we wanted to go is we wanted to take the car and, and take on that 24 hour of Le Mans race. And the great news is, is with the LMDH platform starting in 2023, we will be able to finally do that. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people are sitting here thinking, well, what does motorsports have to do with Cadillac? I mean, why is, why is Cadillac in motorsports? Why don't you explain it to them? We, well, it's funny. I, I think every 
car at some point has gotten itself in some form of racing just because human beings have to try and figure out how to push everything to the limit. So I've got neat stories of Cadillacs in the way past that have, have been in races, um, especially the one in the 50s that went over to Le Mans called the Le Monster, where they took a um, Series 61 and they completely redid it for aerodynamics. The thing looks pretty crazy, but took that over. But really, when we started getting back into racing uh, formally through General Motors in the early 2000s, we were taking Cadillac to a new era. Uh, at the time, we were calling it the art and science era, where we were exploring, you know, what is Cadillac to us and what is it supposed to be to the world? Um, and we really wanted to chase down the other performance luxury brands like BMW and Audi and we realized that to do that, you know, you had to show the world that not only could you handle the luxury part of that, but the performance. So we decided with the launch of our V-Series that getting um, involved in racing to showcase the capability that our cars could do on the GT side, and then ultimately moving into endurance with our, our DPI later on, was the best way to prove to the customer that when we say performance luxury, we mean it. We have the credentials to back up our statements. Without a shadow of a doubt. And a lot of what comes off the racetrack ends up in production Cadillacs from safety features, and now you're going a hybrid systems because nothing stresses out parts and pieces more than a race, and especially the 24-hour of Le Mans. Oh, my God. That's one of my bucket list races, man, I tell you. And it's just, it's it's got to be just brutal on cars, drivers, and crews. Absolutely. This year um, was no exception. In fact, I think this year might have been the hardest year in a while on the crew that was involved. Um, we took the Corvette over to race, and because of all of the changes that the pandemic has thrown at us in the schedule and just they condensed everything down, our team for Corvette was on the go from basically the end of June straight through the end of August with the race. And, I mean, it, talk about stamina requirements. It was incredible. So that race pushes you to a limit you didn't even know you had. Right. Well, and that's what racers do. You ever notice that? I mean, no is not in a racer's vocabulary. I mean, if you need to stay up 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours to get the job done, that's what they do, guys and girls. And and, and it's so rewarding at the end. It's way rewarding when you win, but just to, to be able to complete the the Lama is, is is a challenge just in in itself. Uh, do you have uh, drivers scheduled uh, for 23 or is that still under wraps? We are still working through that, um, you know, firming that up and getting that set. So right. hopefully that'll be an announcement to follow. But we figured we, uh, we'd, we'd share little bits with people as we go to keep you interested. <laughs> well, you better. Well, now that I got your PR guy, I'll be all over him because, you know, we love hearing uh, advancements in motorsports. Uh, I just read a book, and it was called How, Where They Raced in Southern California. And it was every racetrack that was ever built in the history and how it lasted. And it was just such, you know, going down memory lane. Because motorsports really leaves a, a mark. I mean, it really does on, on history. And and I'm 
truly thrilled. You'll love this. I just bought a <clears throat> 500 cubic inch Cadillac motor, and I'm putting it in a Studebaker truck. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> We're going to call it the Studelac. And there's oh, a Lord. Big, <laughs> yeah, there's a big story behind that. We used to do alternative. Well, we take high school kids and take them down to our stadium here, and we let them drag race against the police. And the guy that had the original Studelac passed away, and I bought it to you know, resurrect it. Unfortunately, his son had sold the engine, and it just took me a while to find one. So I found one, and now we're putting that all together, and it's going to be kind of a tribute a tribute truck. But I digress. Uh, going back, now, now you're the, the weather, well, WeatherTech, of course, you're going to stay in that, right? And you're hooked up, and now Chip Canassi? Yes, yeah. We have um, two teams that we'll be working with. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is one of them, and Action Express Racing is the other. Uh, and so far, we've announced we'll be participating in the IMSA WeatherTech Series, uh, as well as running in the World Endurance Challenge over in uh, Europe. And well, actually, it's not just Europe, it's the world. Um, so we haven't really, you know, honed down the details on who's going where or any of that at this point. But we wanted to make sure we had both the local and the global presence. And by the way, folks, Gary Nelson runs ARX. And if you know anything about Gary Nelson... Cadillac has picked the cream of the crop for both series, which is what you do, right? I mean, I mean, if you want to get to the checkered flag, you want to surround yourself with people that have been there a few times. Absolutely. And, and if you look at, you know, who has signed up for this platform or the, um, the cousin platform, the LMH, that we'll be racing against as well, it's big names there. This is no joke. Um, we are all going to be tested to see, you know, who, who can come with the strongest package and the strongest team and all of that stuff. Um, so it's going to be exciting. Yeah. And, and a little bit on you as well. It's so neat that you support SAE. Uh, a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenal program that helps young uh, kids get into this industry. Um, You've definitely got both fingers and both feet <clears throat> heavily involved in. In fact, I just had a one of the kids from the local colleges brought their uh, their uh, project car for SAE, and uh, they did quite well. So I put them on TV and interviewed them for an hour, and you know, just try to get kids excited about uh, just try to get them excited about the auto industry because it's never going away. I guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, SAE's been a, a huge part of my life. That's how I got into all of this. I'm a, a Formula SAE alumni and yeah. really have stayed with the program. I still volunteer regularly with the competition that we have in Michigan and, and all of that. And, and it's been um, such an incredible experience for me as a student and then as a volunteer learning leadership skills, running the dynamic events that, you know, I, I just, I love the whole premise of it and, and having an opportunity for young people to take the skills they're learning in college and, and make something with them. Instead of just taking tests and doing homework, you're building something and you're, you're learning how to do that with other people. And it's just, it's an incredible program. And I'm biased, of course, as an alumni, but I think people that graduate out of the Formula SAE program are right out of the box, ready to roll when they show up to work. Um, with, you know, just a little bit of learning they still need to do on how to interact with others. <laughs> you have my permission to get Kyle, get a hold of anybody in SAE. If you'd like to uh, dedicate some airtime to him and 
I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, so don't don't hesitate. Like I said, remember I mentioned earlier, I do five hours of radio, so content is king. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. All right. Well, it's fantastic talking to you, Laura. I won't beg you to take me to Lamar, but it's in my heart. But I will be talking to you down the road, I'm sure, because we like to stay on top of, of the series and, and how you're progressing. And, and then, of course, you know, we'll talk before you go uh, to Lamar this, uh, next year, and then we'll talk afterwards as well. That sounds wonderful.